Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to another episode of Sheologians. We're here today to put the she in fresher. Because I just saw something that said fresh on it. And fresh. I did not prepare. Fresher. The she in fresher. We're going to give you a fresher perspective on... Oh, I'm not going to finish that. Um, I you know like name- when something's fresh er. and then something is like... <laughs> more More fresh. fresh? That's this episode. It's fresher. <laughs> Thank you for defining fresher. Our next episode will be... We're not cheating. We'll be freshest. Um, so. Put the she in freshest. Okay. I'm Summer, and I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Joy. And Joy, I want you to know that you are, in fact, the only person that I regularly forget is not my husband. <laughs> Like when I'm talking to you, I'll forget that I'm not talking. Is that like, and then I'll for I'll like tell I'll tell Eric a story, and then I'll think that I've told it to you, right? Even though I haven't, right. but it's like, well, I told him, so like you know, right? Yeah. Like, is that like how it works? I share, I share a spot. I'm like grandfathered into your most intimate <laughs> yes. relationship, right? That's how it is with you too. I know. Like I called you Robin. You called me Robin this morning. Who is which Your is roommate. my roommate? You live the with the person her. I share the most space with, the most right. thoughts and feelings with. Right. And you also share that. <laughs> right. So spot like, if her. you tell Robin a story, it's like right. telling me a story. Right. Yeah. So then when you, yeah, when when we see each other every other week, like you know all this already, right? right? You've been living my life with me, <laughs> right? It's fine. Robin fine. and Eric are like the conduit yes. for us too. We should all four get together. <laughs> Oh, that'd be really fun. Wouldn't be fun, wouldn't it? Never happened. What if he... <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to go nope. there. It okay. got weird. We're done. But um, <laughs> you're right. I am Joy. And I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Summer. And Summer, it doesn't matter if you live five hours away or one hour away. I will always be excited to see you. <laughs> and confuse me with your roommate. <laughs> Right. It's just a mutual thing that we right. do. It's fine. Now, fine. see, I'm not worried, but I will be worried if one day Robin walks in the door and I'm like, Summer! <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Or if Eric comes home from work and you're like, Joy, Joy. what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so I think as long as we don't cr- Pro- like right. cross that yeah, we'll threshold. Be fine. We're just tired. Like most people <laughs> in America, for some reason, we have like the comfiest and beds we're in the world. Egomaniacs, but... so like we think everything revolves around us. Yeah, well, that's just human. That's human <laughs> I nature. Know. That's... Yeah, why the we? I meant the collective. Oh, okay. I thought you meant not you and just I. on this podcast. But... Okay, everyone in the world. Right, right. Okay, I didn't like Welcome. being singled out. <laughs> Welcome. See, a good way, if you don't like being called an egomaniac, mm-hmm. is that you own it and diffuse with humor, like I just did. Yes, I like that. <laughs> You're a natural diffuser. 
Yes. Your essential oil um, is called joy. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, if I tell you a joke, it's either because I thought it was funny or you uh, were uncomfortable or I was uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm so the same way. <laughs> when someone like really just pinpoints me, I just like laugh. Right. I'm like, but I'm really just uncomfortable. Yeah. So I'm, it's like uncomfortable laughter mm-hmm. and I think it just sends the wrong. Right. And then I just tell really stupid jokes. Yeah. That <laughs> Until the moment's over. They're not my like prime joke telling. <laughs> But what was your prime joke earlier? You had a great one. There's this thing where like we don't see each other. So then we see each other and then we talk for hours. And yeah. I forget everything. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Crash course. Anyways, did you guys hear about the Golden State Killer? <gasps> allegedly, he was caught. And allegedly, his name is Joseph. Allegedly. <laughs> D'Angelo. His DNA matched allegedly. DNA from the scene. Exactly. <laughs> I just don't want to get sued. So, like, allegedly... allegedly it did. Allegedly his DNA exactly matched. Yes. DNA found at a crime scene. Yes. (laughs) And what's so creepy about it is, like, my cousin lives, like, not far from where he's been living. Well, and the crazy thing is that he's just been living in the same area that he committed crimes in for Mm -hmm. forever. He was a cop. Yeah. So if you guys don't know who the Golden State Killer is... He went on a killing spree from like when did it start? Seventy six until late seventies to late eighties, mm-hmm. and like tenish years, I think I'd be. And he was a police officer in that yep. time, mm-hmm. and he terrorized like the entire state of California, and um, he killed a lot of people, and he snuck into people's homes, and he was just. I mean, horrible, horrible, horrible. Yeah. And it's been a cold case ever since. Yeah. Since and like, why am I? I'm either thinking 86 or 83. I don't know why I'm thinking 86 those is two. also in my head, but I don't remember why. But anyway, so at some point in the 80s, like yes. this stopped and this the case was never solved. Yes. And it was solved on what day was that? Wednesday, mm-hmm. Tuesday, Wednesday, something like that. Anyway. There's a lot of like interesting conversation in these libertarian groups I'm in about how they got the DNA because allegedly, and I can't prove this, but like word on the street is, and there were a few articles about it, that they pulled DNA from like, you know, those like 23andMe and Ancestry.com the private and whatever. DNA databases. They pulled it from a private DNA mm-hmm. database. So it's like raising questions of like, if you submit your DNA to these companies, does the government, should the government have the right to like use that in search of a criminal? And there's like this whole discussion around that that I think is really interesting. Right. Um, Because yeah, because the, well, we talked about this with that uh, Benjamin Kyle episode, mm -hmm. like any DNA that the government has in a database somewhere can't be like you have to have, and maybe they had, maybe there is a warrant that allows you to, or maybe when you turn in your DNA to a private database like that, you sign something that says right. that they won't that they protect can. you from a crime or right. whatever. Right. Um, so if the government comes to them with a warrant and says, we need this, then right. like you can't really. I know. So it's possible you've signed. I don't know. Just be careful what you guys sign. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Um, I think that private DNA databases are 
I think it's really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of one of my favorite current phenomenas right now. Really interesting. The thing that people are into. Yeah. And then the Benjamin Kyle story really got me interested in private databases and just the differences between like being logged in a government database versus like willingly giving up your DNA. Right. Um, So. Yeah. It has some interesting ramifications. Would you give up your DNA to solve a crime? Mm. Would I give up? Like in this hypothetical. Okay. You give your DNA. They solve the crime. Are there lives on the line? Just justice is on the line. I think it would really depend on how close I am to the crime. Right. You know, and obviously if my DNA is going to impact it, then I'm probably pretty close. Right. Um, so I probably I probably would. Yeah. But that is different than do I just willingly give up my D do I just like willingly give up my DNA to the government so they can do whatever they want with it? Mm, no. Um, well, so, or is it his fault because he was a serial killer and rapist yeah. for 10 years <laughs> that willingly gave up his DNA? Yeah. So, I mean, like, is it only a problem if you uh, have killed and raped people? Right. And in which case, like... Right. Well, but that's a little <laughs> pragmatic because then it's like, well... Oh, no. I mean, I definitely... I see the... I a, see the issues with it for sure. Yeah. Um. I don't know, man, but I'm just so glad that they found him, and I hope that he's really old. Yeah. He's late 70s, I think. Yeah. Um, And I think it's a shame that he won't be put to death. He's been charged with capital. Right. Whatever. Right. I'm not sure exactly, like, what all the charges are, but. Right now, it's just the murder um, of, I can't remember their last name, but a couple that he murdered in their home. And And that's the exact, like, DNA match. Yes. Um. But yeah, I think that's a shame. I'm just, we're but I am really, excited. really. I don't know. I just think it's really cool. Yeah, someone wrote a book and like with media, mm-hmm. they affected this change. Yep. Um, like it was. Yeah. The, the book "I'll Be Gone in the Dark." Mm-hmm. That was that piece of media was an incredibly important part in of this, this case. case being solved. Yeah. yeah, and it literally just came out. And um, oh, yeah. the author, Michelle McNamara, she passed away. Yep. She had been like hunting this guy mm-hmm. just as like a just as a blogger. Yeah. And, you know, trying to put together evidence or whatever. And so her the, the book she was writing was published posthumously yeah. with the help of her husband, Patton Oswalt. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just so crazy. The timing of the book gets published we still don't know who he is. Right. And then a matter of weeks later, right. he's caught and she didn't get to see it. It's like she, so um, it's all begun in the dark. One woman's obsessive search for the golden state killer. And it's like, she, she passed on her obsession to all of us just long enough for us to see him get caught. Yep. It's crazy. It's really it's cra- so crazy. It's nuts. I was crying. <laughs> <laughs> Just because of you have feelings. Just because of all the like, yeah. Just all the context that's there. Her dying and her Her husband saving her work, right? And compiling it and putting it into a book, and then just like the killer getting caught. I know it gives me 
goosebumps. Yeah. I'm totally with you. <sighs> anyway, I need to finish reading the book. I have like 45 minutes of listening left. I finished it and like two days later he was caught. That's so crazy. That's I was so just crazy. like, what the heck's happening? Uh, I'm going to finish it on my drive. Anyway, home. sorry if you guys aren't as into this as we are. Just but... hit the fast forward button. Just get over it. <laughs> hit the fast forward button. I don't even care. But yeah, it's just so, I don't know. It's yeah. just really yeah. resonates with me. Oh, and I wanted to give, can I give a shout out? Just mm-hmm. kidding. It's our podcast. We can do what we want. Um, <laughs> I kept asking Summer. I was like, can we um talk about the Golden State Killer? And she was like, it's our podcast. We can talk about whatever we want. <laughs> I mean, we can. That's like how, that's it's true. how it goes. No um, one. I just talked about the Golden State Killer probably for too long. Yeah. And you guys, no one came in and stopped me. <laughs> no one stopped you. It was amazing. I want to throw a shout out to Joey Cottle. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it. Cotle, C-O-T-T-L-E. Joey Cottle. I don't know um, how to pronounce his last name. But he wrote a blog responding to our episode on Reckless Love. He did. And he disagrees with us. And I loved his blog. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just so measured and careful and well thought out yes. and kind and gracious and he's super wrong but he's <laughs> clearly a brother and i oh, just yeah. so appreciate him taking the time to do that and he um if i read him right you know he chooses songs that their church is gonna sing okay um every week and reckless love is one of them um and i just I just so appreciate like you can tell that he he puts a lot of energy and effort into what he does and he does it I mean he does it for the glory of God like he's right. doing he's thinking these things he's not just choosing like what's popular on the radio like he had a very thoughtful this is why I choose this this is why I believe this this is why I think this is beneficial and um, even though we're dirty, dirty Calvinists, he was right. still like so respectful. And I was just like, dude, I just really appreciated. I just really it was appreciated. a good it was really great. It was a good blog. It was a good blog. And um, I just appreciate him. So I just wanted to give him a shout out. Yeah. And yeah, that's it. Um, speaking of people we don't agree with. <laughs> I don't even know if that's I don't even know if that's true. Like, to be completely honest. Right. Um, so I, I did not know that this guy that I sometimes interact with on Twitter was like a really big deal. (laughs) And then I come to find out he's a really big deal and he's really, I just thought he was a nice guy who disagrees with 50% of what I say in a very gentlemanly fashion. Okay. And I was happy to have a dialogue with people I don't agree with, but who are like Joey, Mm -hmm. um, just gracious and well-mannered and kind and really Christians. Right. <laughs> um, so Justin Taylor, uh, I think he's, he's a president of something, something. I don't know. He writes for the gospel coalition. Right. Um, and he's very, very smart and he's very gracious. And, um, we got in a conversation last week about an article, a man, Joe Carter wrote that was posted in the gospel coalition. And the article was titled how to determine if your church is multi-ethnic and my reaction like a lot of other people's was um really sassy and the twitter version of myself needs to get saved 
Don't act like yours doesn't. <laughs> um, we all need to check our social media <laughs> self. Yeah, Twitter Summer, she needs help. Um, and you know, Justin Taylor, in a very gentleman way, came in, gentlemanly way, came in and gave me a good shoulder check. Um, and good on him. Um, but my initial reaction to the article was that it just read like a diversity training manual right. from when I worked in the corporate world. And I know I, I wasn't alone and my feelings about that. Well, because demographics of any kind sort of shout business. Yeah. Right. Businessy kind of right. modely. Um, but like ensuring you get a certain demographic <laughs> is more. Right. Yeah. And, um, but something I really appreciate about Justin Taylor is that he will talk to me even when I'm being grouchy and when he doesn't agree with me. <laughs> um, I think my tweets make him sneeze, but he still will talk to me. So I just appreciate that. Um, but so the hard thing, the thing for me, and there was a lot of discussion around this article because there's a lot of discussion around ethnicity and the church right mm -hmm. now. And I think we're all probably just a little bit tired of it. I'm a little tired of just kind of the way the conversation is going. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> excuse me, but so Joe Carter's article, it it felt, anyway, Justin was like, you need to reread the article. And I was like, yes, sir, I'll do that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I read it again. And um, the article started with this giant presupposition. I felt like there was a presupposition there that I couldn't really wade through or like well, can we just talk about for a second how like if someone is saying how to make sure you're how to determine like here's how you can make sure you're doing this like or how to like that's how it comes across how to accomplish a goal because here's the, the goal yeah the point of determining whether you meet a certain criteria would be the 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 very foundation of it is that you do need to meet this certain criteria. Right. Or you should. Right. So but if it's instructional, the idea is that here's, here's how you can see if your church doing. is this thing. It's a diagnostic. Yeah, it's a diagnostic. It's a diagnostic. And um, so that. Sets the stage. Right. Like, why would you write a how-to article if you didn't think this was something churches should do? Right. Essentially. Or like if you go in to get blood testing done. It's because you want the results back. Like it's pointed in a direction. Yes. You don't just like. So then you get the blood test results and then you go a direction with that right. information. Yes. Correct. Yes. So there's this presupposition there that I basically began and other people began to discuss, which was, okay, so you're saying we need to determine uh, this thing and then what do we do with that information? And so, so the article started saying, over the past few decades, evangelicals in America have discussed and debated how to make our churches more ethnically diverse. And okay, maybe that's true. Maybe that's been a discussion. I've never been a part of a church that had to ask that question because, I mean, if, if you want to find, usually, so multi- ethnic means more than one ethnicity and right. like usually you can just like use your eyeballs to like see that right um but carter you know he clarified that while being multi-ethnic is a good thing simple quotas aren't enough and so he actually said that this proposed method in this article 
was, quote, not likely to be the best way <laughs> to measure the, quote, manifestation of this attitude in practice. I don't know what that means. Like, maybe I'm slow, but when someone says a manifestation of a multi-ethnic practice, like, I don't I don't know what that means, and it's really ambiguous to me. Yeah. Um, but so this not the best way to determine this assumed positive practice involves mapping tools and census data and the USPS website. And you can read about that process in the article mm-hmm. if you want. Um, but so Carter, he says that, so this is an example, uh, less than 1% of the population in the SBC are Asian. So you can't expect one third of the church's demographics to be Asian, uh, quote, at least not without several more years of hard work. And so this is where, again, the presupposition starts to come to a head because it's like, okay, what do you mean at least not without several more years of hard work? Are we supposed to work hard to reach a certain skin color? And this is where, and Justin Taylor. I do think that, I think that, a lot of that would have to do with your intention, which I could, I could know if you told me, but I could also never know. Sure. Um, I think if you said um, there are ethnicities that are primarily uh, Muslim, mm-hmm. so I am going to go after that ethnicity, not because my church needs a more more ethnic diversity, but because that is the group of people that my heart right. goes out to. Right. Um, and then by like cause and effect sure your church becomes more diverse because sure of your ministry to a certain group of people right but the idea shouldn't be that you have a certain amount of people i just need us we need a certain amount of people right that come from a middle eastern country well and ultimately in our church you shouldn't work hard to save someone it to bring someone into your fold because of their skin color right because no matter who you are, whether you're you're Caucasian or you're Asian or you're black, your need for Jesus is the same. Right. And your Imago Dei is the same. Right. So everyone is made in one image of God and no one is more in need of reach right. because they're black or they're white or they're Asian yeah. than another person. And it certainly doesn't increase the faithfulness of your church. Right. What increases the faithfulness of your church is your commitment to scripture, worship, fellowship. Right. And here's the thing is I don't think anything we're saying right now is something that Justin Taylor or Joe Carter would disagree with. But the the question is never posed in the article or answered whether or not pastors or congregants should be working hard to make sure that their church member's skin color matches the quotas of the population that they exist in. We're just told that it's a good thing that you you should expend elbow grease on this, I'm assuming. Yeah, but because of our, remember the conversation we just had about the diagnostic, Mm -hmm. it is impossible to read. You can't just say, you can't write something with meaning Mm -hmm. and tone and theme and say, well, that was just sort of like a one-off. It didn't really mean anything. It's just, just something suggested. to think about. Right. And it's like the, the idea is that we're supposed to take this information. Do something with it. And 
we move forward. Like it's pointed right. somewhere. Right. So you can't, it's not fair to just say like, well, if you're reading more into this article than that, then you're wrong. Like, no, we, if someone gives you a how to, you're allowed to say, well, but, but why is it? Why would I do that? Like, why right. do I need to determine that? Why do right. I need to have that diagnostic done? Right. Um, what is the point of that? Right. And in the course of my conversation with Justin Taylor, he said, you know, of course you can have an entirely monolithic church and still be got like based in the gospel. But my question is, is what do you mean by monolithic? Are you saying that if a church is entirely one color, that that's, monolith that's a monolith is every person is that what makes us different from one another right is it of course of course skin color makes us different from one another like with many skin colors there comes cultures Mm -hmm. um but there are so many things other than the color of your skin right that can either um bind you closer to someone right or I don't want to say like, cause I don't think anything in the church should like separate you from one another. Right. But you may, you may meet people that are very similar mm-hmm. to you, but also not. Right. And that does not like race is not the number one indicator of those things right. that make you closer or make you maybe not so close. Well, and if you're, if the argument is, is that you're, if you're all one, if you share skin color, and you all have the same skin color, then you're a monolith. Then I think essentially you're elevating ethnicity to right. a level of identity that it doesn't belong. Right. Um, because I might have more in common with someone who has a different skin color than me than someone who shares the same skin color. Then it just, it, it doesn't right. matter. It doesn't make an, it, it doesn't matter because in Christ we're all, one. So no one's saying diversity is bad. No one's against no. diversity. That's no, not, not the question. All. But my question is, okay, here's And I'm not and we're certainly not doing this to defend we're not like defending segregation or something crazy. Right. Now if you if you go to a church that just has white people in it and it's because you're all racists and you hate anyone who's not white, that's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> that's wrong. And Repent. that's not that's not what we're trying to do. Um, I was thinking a lot about just so like if you could find if you use all these tools to find out where people are in your community mm-hmm. that offer cultural diversity that have different skin colors and mm-hmm. um, then that's a version of being seeker sensitive. Yeah. So what I think of automatically when I think of seeker sensitive is that is money. Okay. A tithe. Yeah. Um, so I was trying to think, I was just sort of like thinking about this musing at a, you know, and, uh, are you trying to figure out why to determine if your church is multi-ethnic? Cause that's <laughs> the question I have. Right. Why? So, so, um, I would say it's not important Okay. In and of itself. That's obviously a very simplified answer. Yeah. But so this thing that came into my head when I was thinking about seeker sensitivity in order to get a tithe. So, right, like seeker, sens- seeker sensitivity so that your church can make more money and continue to function mm-hmm. would be similar to um, being seeker sensitive to people of different ethnicities mm-hmm. so that your church appears 
faithful and Open flourishing. And yeah. So, so, okay. So I thought to myself, does the church need money to function in the tithe seeker sensitive way? Sure. So yes, of course. And then I thought the next question I thought was, does a church function because of the tithe? Mm. Well, so like, does a church need people of diverse racial backgrounds? Mm-hmm. Well, I yeah, mean, yeah, I would say yes. Well, yes. the church, the church, the church in general is obviously yeah. made up of different different right. ethnicities. Does the church need people that are different from one another? I mean, it's a al- function. It's always going to have people yeah. that are different. Right. Yeah. Yes. You have to have it people does. who have uh, money. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it to function, it does need it. But does it function because no. of your no. your racial diversity? No. It doesn't. No. No. And God God promises to save people from every tribe, right. tongue, and nation. Right. Not us. It wasn't go out into all the world and then make sure your church looks exactly like the skin makeup of the people around you. Right. Um, we're just called to preach, and God God builds his church. And so there's, right. there's a portion of the seeker-friendly, and then, you know, Joe Carter, he's not making the case in this article that this is how you should build a church. But that's part of my problem with the article is that it doesn't tell you, it doesn't tell you why you should do this. It just tells you how, and it stay, it purposefully stays away from being very clear in the why. And I just feel like it's being dodged. So let's just throw it away. If it means nothing. Right. Why was it written? If you can have an entirely, quote, monolithic church, which, again, I, I have a problem with calling it. I'm sorry, it, monolith is a totally negative word. I know. It is. <laughs> like. It is. And I mean, okay, so the article doesn't say outright that you have to meet a certain standard, but it doesn't tell us really what the standard for this attitude of, or this manifestation is supposed to be, though. It doesn't tell you. And we're simply told at the closing that you'll know how well you're reaching your community based on how well the skin color in your church reflects the skin color outside of your church. But so that if, just may but not be true. I, it, that may I, not be true. I mean, what if you, I, I, I would think in China, Christian churches are predominantly Chinese. What? Stop. I mean, I'm sure there are exceptions <laughs> to the rule. I know. But I think that that is probably true. I know. Rightfully, that makes sense. If it was all white people in China, I would be, I would be discouraged that those missionaries (laughs) who went there weren't doing their job. I know. Um, And and we know, I mean, we know that, I know that Justin Taylor and Joe Carter, neither of them, neither of them would ever argue. I don't want to misrepresent them at all. Neither of them would ever argue that a person is more worthy of being reached with the gospel based on their skin color. But... If we are, but if we are encouraging our pastors to expend their valuable time and energy pouring over census data to determine who they should be reaching next in order to manifest an attitude of diversity, whatever that means, I think we should be able to hit the pause button long enough to ask how that isn't choosing who to reach based on their skin color. And if this is how pastors who are, I mean, they're strapped for time and resources and they're dealing with matters that we don't even understand dealing with on a daily basis. If that's how they're supposed to be spending their time, 
I think we should be able to ask in no uncertain terms why. And I think that well, that should be answered. I'm sorry, it's seeker sensitive. A pa- if a pastor is taking time away to minister to his body, to figure out how to get people in his church, mm. that's seeker sensitive. I'm sorry, it is. So you saying, here's a way for you to determine if you need to do that or not. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, what you're saying is... You need to find out if you need to be seeker sensitive Mm -hmm. so that you can get X amount of people that look like this or are like this Mm -hmm. or just X amount of people in general in, Mm -hmm. then you're being seeker sensitive. And so for you to say, like, it's not like this isn't a, it's not a big deal. Like it's the matter between seeker sensitive and not. Yeah. To me, that's important. Yeah. I mean, it is important. Um, And so I think for you to just say, like, we wrote, you know, this article was written just so that pastors could see. It's not a BuzzFeed quiz. (laughs) And the the uh, the period of time that that article took place in and was written in. Mm -hmm. I'm. Yeah. I mean, you can't. And we certainly we're not going to try and assume anything, which is why we're not attempting to misrepresent people. But the point is, is that this is our response. Yeah. To what you said about that, yeah. the point is, is that no one can, you're not saying why you wrote that article and I'm not buying that you just wrote it. I mean, after MLK 50 and David Platt crying because his experience has been so right. white, it's really hard to read this in any other way other than this is what you need to do yeah. because the the next person you need to reach ne- needs to be someone who's going to diversify your church. Right. That's how it sounds. And I know Justin Taylor saying, well, that's not what it meant. But his use of the term, of course, your church can be monolithic and it's fine, concerns me. Because now you're using skin color as an identity of a subset of believers. And that's not at all what your identity is. is. There are issues with the article. And we're not accusing anyone of thinking the things that we said on this episode. But it's fair to challenge it yeah, and to ask well, questions. And if you look at a lot of the response to it, too, we're certainly not alone in going, why are you doing Why? Right. What is this? Why? Can we get a clear answer as to why this is a valuable use of time? Right. Um, and There's so, certainly enough. There's enough context within the article. And just coming from TGC right, right. now in general. Right. Um, to ask what the purpose is. And so... I mean, obviously, we have we have a lot in common with Justin Taylor. We believe it is a testimony to the gospel when people oh, yeah. from different age groups and economic status and cultural back- backgrounds can call each other brother and sisters. I think I I diverse churches are great. Yeah, but They're great <laughs> at the same time, a fundamental a fundamental tenet of the faith is that Christ will build his church. And that's right. not to say that we shouldn't care what our churches look like, but Christ, Christ built his church and the church is called to do some very specific things. The church is not called to look exactly like the world around it. Right. And again, I understand they're not saying that you have to, but again, we've gone over this a million times. But then why, the why write the article? Right. Um, but the reason that we should reach someone is never ever because of the color of their skin and never ever for the sake of appearances. And um, that sounds like tokenism to me. They're saying that it's not, they're not into tokenism. Okay, great. But what is the, and I'm willing, what is, to, I'm willing, I'm, to, I'm willing that. to believe that. I'm not oh, yeah. calling them liars, yeah. but okay. Then what is the practical outworking of 
wanting to know who you should be reaching next based on skin color. Right. What is the practical outworking of that, if not tokenism? If Justin Taylor wants to come on and, and answer that question, like, w- come on, let's right. talk about it. I would love that. Um, but so just really quickly, I think a lot of the conversation right now could be moved forward if we just define, well, what what is the church? If we're saying it shouldn't look like the world and we shouldn't be like, what should our pastors, if we're saying, I don't, I don't think pastors should spend their time using census data to see how well they reflect the world. I, yeah, I think that the church is for believers, the body, the yeah. believer, believers. So number one, it, the people in the church are, they're believers. They trust that Jesus is their savior and they've been adopted into one family. Um, they must be baptized. So Jesus said in Matthew 28 that um, you make disciples by baptizing them and teaching them. That's another aspect of the church. Uh, The church is something that regularly assembles. um, So they are together weekly. Um, Hebrews 10 commands us not to neglect to meet together. Um, The church is for worship. It worships Christ um, and it's supposed to be be a reflection of God's glory. Um, we are supposed to hear exhortation from the word. Uh, the word is to be preached. We're supposed to be active and abiding in the word of God, First Peter says. Um, the shepherds of the church are the means of that God uses to feed the sheep. Mm-hmm. And along with that, the worship and the exhortation is the Lord's Supper. So this is a commandment that we're supposed to do in remembrance of Christ and neglecting that um, is not inconsequential. It's huge. Um, And I think elders, I kind of touched on that a little bit, but all of this is supposed to happen with the guidance of duly appointed elders. Um, Those are the minimums that you have to have in order to have a church. Right. The bare, I mean, that's the bare minimum. Right. Um, there's nothing in there about what the believers have to look like, right. how old they have to be, yep. um, where they have to come from, or how much money they have. Right. And I think that, um, yes, there was a time, not even in our nation's history, because many people still remember this time, um, where churches were heavily segregated because right. Right. of racism with intention with intention they were segregated they were segregated and i think you can just go ahead and just condemn that as the sin that it is we don't need to deny it we don't need to pretend that it didn't happen that's not going to help anything it happened the problem is i don't think is this hyper focus on um these kind of like diversity training however is going to build true unity in the church because if you are not a racist, you don't believe that the person who needs reaching next the most is a certain skin color. Right. And you're going to, uh, you know, we're told, what's the passage in James? Like, you know, not to judge someone uh, based on what they look like. If you think that they're rich right. or they're poor yeah. or whatever. And so part of that is definitely going to be not looking at a person and deciding whether or not to reach them based on their skin color. Right. Um this is a hyper focus on who to reach based on their skin color that I think is just, it's not, it's not 
biblical. It's not helpful. Right. I don't understand well, the and, need. And you, there is not much of an argument to say that you can't extrapolate from that article what we have. So, yeah, like, if sure. if it really doesn't mean mm-hmm. what we think it means, mm-hmm. what does it mean? It's yeah. Like I'd I like said, to know what like what know. the point of it is. I'm not, and I I'm not necessarily interested in hearing like the postmodern. I just wanted to throw it out there. Like, I'd <laughs> like to know your, you know, yeah. the meaning behind it. Yeah, because it's too. It's just, I don't, I, I like to think that I give people the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, and right. I mean, of course you have to be careful when you judge what someone is thinking or what their intentions are. Mm-hmm. But when you write an article, you are saying what you think. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I guess like the, the book isn't really closed on it until we can find out why the article was written. Yeah. And we, you and, know, we may not, but you know, like I said, Justin Taylor, he's a brother, he's a gentleman um that I disagree with a lot. Oh, he yeah. disagrees with me. It goes both ways. If he wants to come on and talk about it, great. If Joe Carter wants to come on and talk about it, great. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about it. Yeah. Because here's the thing is that there's all this um there's all this discussion right now and not a ton of it is happening with uh the first kind of point of understanding being hey we're brothers and sisters like hey check this right. out you're my brother right and and I love you and we disagree and let's talk about it um and I'd be happy to and I do think that a lot of the you know reactions that I saw to this article were completely well founded mm-hmm. and sorry I was so sassy about it but it just happened and then, <laughs> you know I already explained Twitter summer but anyway <laughs> So I hope that's helpful. Um, I hope that you guys can hear our heart in asking the question. Um, I hope that we can move past kind of our own echo chambery positions. I did have um, I did have a pastor uh, who I think is somewhere down south message me and just say, "Hey, you know." I agree with what you said. I'm a black pastor of a multi-ethnic church and it's multi-ethnic by the grace of God, never right. ever because we tried to be, right. but because Christ builds his church and um, we didn't have to try to do that. Like God just right. did it and right. it's it just is what it is. And um, he kind of had the same reaction that I did. Um and that was encouraging to me because I was like, okay, maybe I'm not completely off base. Um, and like I said, I hope this was helpful. I hope you guys hear our heart behind it. Yeah. Um, I think we're in just like a really weird kind of painful time um, with this, the discussions around ethnicity. And I just want to remind everybody that um, sometimes like the big the big kind of Christian thought leaders, like sometimes they're not right on this issue. George Whitfield wasn't right on this issue. Right. Um, I think the people crying because their experiences have been too white are not right on this right. issue. And we can still call them brothers in the Lord despite that. Yeah. Um, and we can still have this discussion and have it well. And I think that's what we need to 
work for because this is such an emotional topic. It is. Um, so let's disagree well, hopefully. Hopefully, I hope we disagreed well. Right. Um, let's disagree as well as we can and not stop having the discussions just because they're difficult and frustrating. Right. That's all I have. Me too. Boom. Go to a good church. Yeah, I'm trying, okay? I'm in between churches <laughs> right now. I wasn't even talking to you. You were talking I mean, to me. I'm sorry. Okay. It's a little sensitive right now. No, it's hard. It's hard to find. <laughs> it's hard to find... A good church home. <sighs> Apology is the best, though. Yeah, I mean, I've been like, I've I spent my life in horrible churches, and I'm like incredible. If you find yourself, if you're listening to this, and you find yourself in a really solid church where you're being discipled and you have accountability, and uh, oh man, you're blessed. Use it up and turn <laughs> it into something. Serve serve the church back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hey. What should we tell them? Oh, we should tell them that our Q&A is posted for our Patreons mm. and we'll do another one soon. Yeah. So if you want to um, submit questions, we did a Q&A just for our Patreon supporters. They asked really weird questions. Our next episode is coming straight from one of those questions because right. we felt it deserved more of a full answer. So that'll be next week. And if you want to be a part of... Um, keeping us on the radio waves and a part of those Q and A's, then you can go to patreon.com slash theologians. Six bucks a month gets you all that good stuff. And that's it. We'll see you next week. Yeah. That was such a question for you. I know. Yes, see you know. next week. Okay, yes. bye. <laughs>